1: Welcome, everyone, to R-E-1 Colon of Fantasy Football Podcast. Part of the Fake Team's podcast channel. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man Clark Barnes, the working girl Jordan Smith, and ginger woodsman Nick Bottyford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete.
2: Good, Pete. Doing good.
1: Jordan getting himself situated on the fly while casually showing off all of his sports memorabilia behind him i like specifically the devonte adams name plaque and jordan can't respond because he's frozen because i'm going to have
3: to step it up i found some old game balls from little league so i'll work on my background oh,
1: for next week yeah. well my background is a bedroom so i am thriving here and i also wanted to quickly because i know nick is already thinking of thinking it I just want to say, Nick, I didn't shave because of you. You didn't win the mustache battle. Let the record show. It was Becca's birthday this weekend, and I did a clean shave to look prim and proper for her. Um, but you did not win the mustache battle. So,
0: if you have to say it, I here's the thing, though: the lighting in where you are is poor enough that your looks just five o'clock shadow looks like my, I. I It looks like you have a mustache. And I'm just the natural color of my skin (laughs) is is showing in the light. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Nick Nick
1: glows while we record the podcast because just the sunlight reflects back on all of us. We get we get nice and tan through the computer because of Nick. That's why, why he's on the show. Nah.
0: <laughs>
1: Jokes. All right. Well, we have lots to talk to you today. We are going to get some news, uh, but then we're going to, with NFL free agency, more or less wrapped up. Certainly the big names out there have found a home, and so we're going to talk about some of our uh, favorites and least favorite landing spots and just actions that have gone so far on free agency. But first, let's hit some NFL news. <laughs> Not too much on the docket. Uh, first off, two role players, two role-playing wide receivers signed with new teams. Deshaun Jackson is heading to Los Angeles to join the Rams and Josh Reynolds to the Tennessee Titans, which is a nice little uh pairing there since Djax is presumably going to take over the deep threat uh role that Josh Reynolds played in LA's offense, who in turn then should have good pretty o- uh opportunity in Tennessee with Corey Davis signing with the Jets. Uh, Jordan, do either of these guys interest you as more than a, possibly just a streaming option in 2021 now that they have new teams?
2: No. I mean, yeah. Deshaun you, Jackson you, didn't move the needle for me in, in Philly last year. And Josh. Sorry, my internet's just being really wonky right now.
1: While while Jordan figures that out, we'll pass it over. Pass it over to you, Nick. What are your thoughts? Any are they anything more than a street, possible streaming option?
0: Uh, yeah, no, I, I I don't think so. I think they'll just okay. be kind of waiver wire guys. Like I'm the, the Deshaun Jackson signing definitely got me kind of like, oh man, you know,
1: that- makes it talk himself back into it.
0: Clark certainly well, is.
1: Look at Clark that smile. Clark
0: already knows he's drafting D-Jacks in the 12th round. So the okay, I'll, I'll shut up here in a second. The thing with Tennessee is. Um, I'm still optimistic on their big name guys, but with Ar- Arthur Smith was the genius that ran that yeah. offense, and like maybe Vrabel learned some important stuff from him. I do like the guy that they promoted, and I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, he was the their tight ends coach last year, um, so tight ends on tight ends. Uh, you know, um, Arthur Smith was the tight ends coach too, so they ju- they're just promoting from that position. But you know, we have to see what they end up doing with their personnel. As for the Rams. They had one of the lowest uh, uh, deep passing rates last year. And I think bringing in Stafford, that one, that's a great way to solve that. But then two, like Deshaun Jackson is the quintessential amazing downfield receiver. So he's old as hell now, and maybe he can't stay healthy, but it's an interesting marriage. Maybe your last round of your draft, but it might be smart for Deshaun Jackson fanatics like myself to just say no and add him off waivers if we
2: see something intriguing.
3: Yeah, no interest in either.
0: I'm out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, after some brief technical difficulties, I had to (laughs) juggle things around with it. Um, Yeah, I think um, Deshaun Watson or Watson Jackson had some uh, quarterback issues last year and also a lot of injuries. But that's what happens when you are, what, over the age of 33. Um, And Josh Reynolds was like a bit player. For the Rams, I don't see him moving the needle in Tennessee because they don't use AJ Brown enough. So what makes me think they're going to use uh, Josh Reynolds enough?
1: That's those are both fair. Uh, finally, in the news, only only a couple bullets today. Uh, after missing out on every wide receiver so far, the Ravens are hosting Sammy Watkins for a visit, which I know Clark Barnes is all kinds of excited about. Or or have you sold your shares on Sammy Watkins Island? These are
3: just receivers that I went to bat for years ago and gave up the mantle way too late. I think almost any wide receiver going to the Ravens is going to be less interesting than him going somewhere else. And certainly Sammy Watkins, even more so. So now
1: I did see somewhere that Sammy Watkins, and I forget what year this would have aligned. I guess it was with Buffalo, right? Was Greg Roman an OC at Buffalo along with Sammy Watkins, Cause I know someone had tweeted out that they, that the last time Sammy Watkins was in a Greg Roman offense. I thought it was 2015. They said uh, he had 11, 1047 yards and nine touchdowns. Greg Roman, Roman was UC for
0: the Ravens. He was the, uh, the Niners offense coordinator for a long time during the Harbaugh years. Hmm. Did he, he might've gone to the bills for a year. Or Let's two, see 2015 Buffalo
1: them. bills, either that or this tweet that I saw randomly gave me some false information in which oh yeah greg roman offensive coordinator for the buffalo bills in 2015 all right so you have some similarity there i also saw sammy watkins is heading to the colts shortly after that so i just want the ravens to get a wide receiver i mean come on i was really excited when when there was buzz about kenny galladay going there and then you know we'll talk about later in the show but kenny galladay did not go there All right. Well, that's it for news. Not, not too much going on in the NFL, but that's because all the exciting stuff has already happened. So let's get to it. We are going to talk love and hate with most of the big name free agents finding new homes for 2021. We are going to give each give a signing that we love. We'll add some uh, flowery music here in post. And hate. Listen Metal there for 2021 fantasy football let's start with positive vibes nick start us off with uh your love of this uh this off season so far
0: <clears throat> so this is a bit of a mea culpa for me i was really disappointed when the chargers brought in brandon staley but then i read and heard some of the stuff that he had to say this from daniel popper on twitter which is a very fun name uh quote from brandon staley the thing about analytics is they drive better decision making Says he wants to be at the forefront of that of that movement, and context and feel are crucial when applying data to decisions. Uh, since then, he's brought on Joe Lombardi, who was the uh, quarterbacks coach for the New Orleans Saints from 2016 to 2020 as offensive coordinator. Um, it looks like they're actually the Chargers for the first time in history are going to be a forward-thinking, progressive-thinking, uh, analytical. Offense and I was talking to Clark, who may have just looked directly into the camera at me. Directly this. into Nick's soul. Um, yeah, I was talking to him about this earlier on, but uh I I think I'm gonna end up having uh Austin Eckler ranked ahead of Alvin Kamara this year. I think that this offense as a whole is gonna take a big step forward. I I know they uh I'm doing this off the top of my head while I'm pulling this up. Uh they brought in, is it was it uh Jared Cook that they brought in at tight yeah. end? Yeah. to replace hunter henry so also I mean, brought in have-
1: jordan's boy to at center right then they signed uh
0: Lindsay, lindsley yeah lindsley? so that's an awesome signing and i think that jared cook can contribute i don't think that he's as good as hunter henry was at this point in his career um He's going to take some targets and it's a bummer because I think, um, you know, Evan, Adam Leventan has me convinced that Donald Parham is the next great Jimmy Graham. Um, anyway, I'm very high on the Chargers offense this year. I think that Austin Eckler can be a top five back and uh, I, I'm excited to see a coaching staff that is using intelligent, good decision-making uh, from the get-go that Justin Her- uh, Herbert gets to actually like start the game with, with a good game plan and continue after, throughout the game throughout the season. I like Nick uh, helping me carry the Alvin Kamara is not as
1: hyped as he uh, as the rest of the fantasy community thinks he is mantle saying that Austin slipping in there. Austin Eckler is going to be better than Kamara this year. I love
3: it. I just really like the note that you don't hear very often uh, that the use of analytics really helps inform decision making. And if that decision making is coming from someone with experience who's understands the landscape, then they make better decisions. The idea that. Uh, The Pete Carroll style of we're just going to go with our gut is uh, dumb and only using half of the information (laughs) available. And the I can't think of like a total analytics nerd uh, coach, but I guess like the Chip Kelly style of like, we're going to do this one thing that we know is great all the time is is also dumb. So I hope people are finally starting to realize, you know, a healthy mix of both is kind of where it's at.
2: Yeah, I really like that they are taking an approach that's like, not the opposite of Anthony Lynn, but definitely a step up from where that offense was at last year, where they're just like, it seemed like they were just trying to figure it out along the way, which was uh, really goofy. Um, One thing I keep on going back to about Brandon Staley is that even though he was a defensive coach last year, and yes, having Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey as two linchpins of your defense definitely is helpful, but they had some really like tough areas on that defense particularly at linebacker that they just weren't very good at after losing uh who is the Corey Littleton after they lost him the prior offseason but they still had one of the top like five run defenses in the league um so it's just one of those things where he's very good at looking at where the strengths and weaknesses are on one side of the football and he's Jalen Ramsey played in man, but everybody else is in zone. Like he's just, he understood that you don't have to sit there in a single base and run everything through um, just because you're a little bit egotistical with the way you run things. Yeah.
1: This Chargers offense has me real excited. I have a, I have a list of, of offenses in my head that I think I'm trying to, that I think I am higher on than maybe the general, public is or certainly offenses that i would always break in favor for and the chargers are chargers and jets top of that list so far i am real hyped about both those both those squads uh clark what do you love what did you love from this uh offseason move so far so this is
3: pretty simple but the washington football team has a ton of really talented people on it and they were just held back by the albatross that was uh dwayne haskins last year and they signed probably a A favorite of the podcast, certainly a favorite of football fans everywhere. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, not the best quarterback in the league, but certainly one of the most interesting. I think they got Curtis Samuel now to play opposite of Terry McLaurin and Anthony Gibson. This is just going to be an extremely fun team to watch who doesn't need a ton from their offense. Their defense, uh, I heard Matt Harmon talk about this, the On the Couch podcast, like the Washington defense is in kind of that like rookie quarterback window where they have all of these stud defensive linemen on really, really cheap deals that's going to make the team really good. So if this offense can just be sort of competent, like they were for four games last year and
1: made the playoffs, by the way, then Washington's going to be pretty good this year. Yeah. The Fitz magic signing, If I I'm assuming he's going to start for Washington at the very least to start to begin the season. Uh, and that just Terry McLaurin is locked in wide receiver one this year. I just don't see a way that he's not going to be that we saw, we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick. He, when he was with the Buccaneers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, both had terrific fantasy seasons when he was starting for the dolphins last two years ago, Devante Parker had his breakout. Like this is just Ryan Fitzpatrick takes that number one receiver to the next level because he just throws Yolo balls. And trust his receiver to go get them. And Terry McLaurin has proven time and time again with Dwayne Haskins, with Alex Smith, like the guy is quarterback proof in and of itself. And you give him a quarterback who's actually going to rip the ball all over the field. I will have Terry McLaurin again in all of my fantasy leagues wherever I can get him.
0: Yeah, I was really excited uh, uh, by this edition too. And to to steal from the the timeline uh, t- timeline of the goat, uh, the the ETR guys were talking about. This signing spe- uh, specifically, but uh, this offense is now like just pure speed. So McLaurin ran four three three forty, Curtis Samuel four three one, Antonio Gibson 4-3-9, and Logan Thomas four six one. That's, you know, that's quicks for a tight end. Um, They're going to be setting that pace. Those Kyle Pitts,
1: who just fucking ran a 4 4
0: at 6-6. I mean, Yeah he pits is, is just his own name, which, which side note i don't know why these people keep mocking pits to new york giants i think Makes no
1: sense especially now that they've got kenny galladay if they draft if they draft kyle pitts i'm gonna burn yeah. places down
0: wait they already showed they don't know how to use a An athletic tight only tight end why would you draft another one but um yeah anyway this this offense is is made of pure speed and talent and scott turner is like the mind to unlock this i think this is going to be an extremely fun offense and all of these dudes should be on fantasy rosters this year
2: yeah what happens when you have a quarterback that consistently throws yolo balls you make sure you have a good defense who can get those balls back and i also like washington signing of william jackson like i think he was one of the more underrated free agents available at the defensive back spot. So that defense is just going to give them plenty of opportunities, which is really good for Ryan Fitzpatrick or, I mean, they're, they unfortunately won their division last year. So they're all the way back at 19, but that still doesn't discount them fully from a, a possible quarterback at that spot. Um So whoever is, you know, captaining that offense, um, I, I, kind of like Washington as the favorite right now. I'm sure I'll eat these words in uh, (laughs) a couple months, but once they go 0-4, I'll probably be eating these words, but yeah, (laughs) I, I like them so far in the NFC East to lead it.
1: Yeah, i i certainly I certainly can see see that coming to fruition. Um, all right, I'll go. My love for uh, so far this off season, I am a big fan of Emmanuel Sanders going to the Buffalo Bills. I think I just have long loved Emmanuel Sanders uh, and wanting him to land in an offense that can fully utilize him. This is his fourth team in three years, and yet in those past three years. Uh, He's he's finished with at least 61 catches, 700 plus yards on each of the last three seasons, changing teams all over the time. Uh, I don't think it's a hot take to say this, but maybe it is that he's now playing with the best quarterback he's had over that time. I like Josh Allen's playmaking and this offense more than Drew Brees' ancient ass arm targeting Michael Thomas and just Alvin Kamara. Uh, He's going to line up as the number two wide receiver next to Stefan Diggs, taking that John Brown spot, which had him on pace for over 92 targets last year. I just think that he's a locked in wide receiver three who was going to give you wide receiver two games from here to there, maybe even more, a little more consistently than we anticipate. I think Emmanuel Sanders has, has at least one year left of like solid NFL production. And this is one of the better places for him to like fully come realize that. And I think you're going to be able to get him at a pretty good discount in a, in fantasy drafts. Cause people will think that this offense is crowded with Cole Beasley and with uh, uh, Gabriel Davis Um, but I I don't see that Emmanuel Sanders is going to have too much competition in terms of reliable fantasy production.
3: Yeah, I think that he's still good. The only thing that's held him back has been the teams that he went to. Not that Drew Brees isn't good, but he was kind of locked on to the two targets that you mentioned. He's still a very good football player. He'll be replacing John Brown, who I really love John Brown, but has just never really hit the ceiling that we thought he would. Sanders has done it, although, you know, what, six, seven years ago now with Ben Roethlisberger, as his quarterback. I don't know if the impact for fantasy outside of it boosts Josh Allen just a little bit is gonna be huge or a streaming option because Cole Beasley seems to be who Allen goes to when he's in trouble. Uh, but Emmanuel Sanders should see a lot of really soft coverage opposite Stefan Diggs.
2: I'm sorry, I can't provide proper analysis because of the absolute heat that's coming off the uh Josh Allen is better. Than Peyton Manning take that peaches threw into the <laughs> into the chat here. So,
1: <laughs> hey man, what was that? Oh, was that noodle arm Peyton Manning? Noodle arm Pey- Peyton Manning was still maybe maybe as good as Josh Allen.
2: He had at least one one good Peyton Manning. That's true. Year. That's true. That's true. He did. That was
1: back. Was that when Manning broke the touchdown record? Was yeah, that, probably. Were they, were they together that year? And I'll give him that. that high That's altitude. why I said the last three years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was when Cam Chancellor then broke Demarius Thomas um, in the Super Bowl. But so I don't understand why. That's right, Clark. I don't understand <laughs> why people are really pumped about this. Like Sanders is I so clearly I, I, laid out the reasons, Nick. Did I know, you not listen to me? I have listened. <laughs> but I've heard so many different takes here. Like so to me, Sanders is a proficient route runner. He's old, he's has a you know formerly torn Achilles. I think that he's, I think he's a, a good route runner and I think he can play well in the slot. I think he is going to have to do battle with uh, Cole Beasley, but at the same time, I'm listening to like all sorts of different podcasts where they're talking about how he's going to be playing on the perimeter and he's like a, a, a good downfield receiver, which is totally baffling to me. And what, like, why? we have Gabe Davis who broke out as a rookie. He's like, you know, six foot three, 200, whatever pounds downfield burner, who is stepping in for John Brown. I, if, if Sanders is a, a depth signing as a safety blanket option for Josh Allen, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think expecting anything more than that, like he's even going to stem the the growth of um, Dawson Knox at like pass catching tight end. is just like a safety blanket option. I, this this was a surprising signing to me. It didn't make make sense to me. And and you know, I also just have contrarian bones, so forgive me, Pete.
2: But yeah, I, I didn't I didn't love this. All right. Here's what no, I'm gonna do. i oh go ahead, Jordan. I was gonna say I also think that like Sanders is a little old and this might have been like a a heat check signing, so to speak, for the Bills, because they've been really good about like developing their team and taking it a step-by-step approach and now they just threw a bunch of money at like a 30 something year old receiver and expect him to be John Brown which is like not the skill set that he has yeah see I
1: don't think that he's I mean I don't know what their plan is I in my mind the reason why I got excited about Emmanuel Sanders being there is because I feel like he offers more than Cole Beasley does Uh, in terms of what he can do in an offense and in terms of what he and so I what he is now as a receiver and I think that he is going to cut into Cole Beasley's workload and I don't think Gabe Davis there's a reason they went out and got you know Emmanuel Sanders and I think it's because they're not fully in on Gabe Davis maybe Gabe Davis is one more year before they're like trusting him with this role I just what I will say Nick is here's here's what I was going to do uh, we long have made beer bets on this podcast and I would like to rebrand that and it's in the mail so I can't show you guys but I've ordered a a, a dry erase board spinny wheel and we're going to change it to wheel bets and whoever is wrong loses the bet has to spin the wheel and the wheel will have a a podcast favorable punishment whether it's uh I don't know uh, having to sing a song or, uh, write a freestyle rap about your favorite athlete or eat a spoonful of some sort of hamburger condiment plain, whatever it is, uh, we're going to be bringing this in good, good quality podcast content. So there you go, Nick, I'll make a wheel bet with you, uh, that Emmanuel Sanders will finish with, Oh, what do I want to say? I would say I'm going to go stats wise. And I would say he sees at least, uh, 90 targets in this offense and uh i can go more specific if you want but i think 90 at least 90 targets is what i see for him and why i'm excited about him
0: yeah no i'll take 90 targets do you want to put like a a a game total minimum like he
2: has to play 14 games or something perfect okay pure chicanery pete i see what you're doing a win-win if he does pass 90 targets, you win the bet. If he doesn't, it's probably good for the Patriots. So <laughs> I see what you're doing.
1: You know me too well, Jordan. You know me too well. Uh, all right, why don't you wrap us up with, uh, with
2: your love, Jordan? Uh, so my love is Rodney Hudson for the Cardinals, kind of in the same vein as Clark's um, love is that this is just a signing that will make everybody on your fantasy team around him better. Uh, So we're talking about Chase Edmonds, who looks like he might finally, depending on how the draft goes, but he might finally be the RB one there. Just having a solid center for Kyler Murray to have the football from um, somebody who can help him with protections and keep him as clean as possible is uh, something that the Cardinals have just lacked even before Kyler Murray for, honestly, years now. I can't remember the last time they had a decent to good offensive line. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, AJ Green, if you're into that, Christian Kirk, uh, all these guys will get more opportunities as long as Kyler Murray is upright. So this is a, a win-win for Arizona. I've loved this offseason of the
1: teams that have just like invested in their O-line, particularly with young quarterbacks. We talked about the charges at the top of it. I love that the Cardinals have also done it just because this offense is, you know, improving this, improving your offensive line only makes things more explosive and, and opens up more opportunities for an offense to thrive. And so I love to see more Kyler Murray being able to do more Kyler Murray things.
0: Yeah, it seems like it was a great signing, and Chase Edmonds, I guess, stock rising. Stock, stock breaking the
1: roof. Unless the Cardinals go out and draft someone, currently Chase Edmonds is like the clear RB one in that offense. When when they draft uh, Sermon
3: or Gainwell, one of these like second and third tier running backs that are coming out this year, that Chase Edmonds stock plummet. Yeah, but it's going to be exciting. They need a running
1: back. Chase Edmonds is a bit player. Sell your sell your Chase Edmonds stock sell high in dynasty leagues or hold on we're giving conflicting messages so we'll always be right all right well before we go to our hates from this off season let's take a quick ad break
0: get ready for the greatest
1: roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th You did a great job during the loves being negative. Somehow, somehow you managed to be negative during our, during my love, particularly rude. Uh, now I'm giving you an opportunity to actually be negative. So go ahead. What did you hate from this off season?
0: I'm going to be negative about Marvin Jones, who I've been negative about in the past. And it's not that I don't like him. I think it was exciting when he went to uh, Detroit and he had like the highest rated jump ball percentage or whatever in the NFL. Um, He's gone down to Jacksonville. And while I think that it's a really good real football signing, I, I think it kind of crowds this pass catching core to a frustrating extent. Um, Chark is is probably going to be just doing his thing and and maybe uh, LaVisca Chennault takes a, a huge step forward, but I think they already had a really good Perimeter threat on the other side and Colin Johnson, who's super fun. I mean, he's like six foot seven or something preposterous, and he kind of broke out last year. Um, it seemed like he earned that. And now we have two jump ball guys in Jones, in Marvin Jones and and Colin Johnson, who are going to be taking up uh each other's routes on the outside. Now, I guess one of them could kind of kick inside and play tight end if need be, because they're really only running with like Tyler Eifert, but it seems like they made this uh, pass catching core a little more crowded than I would have liked for fantasy purposes. And um, yeah, I'm just, you know, Marvin, he's just kind of like a, a, a production slower, so to speak there. I don't know. Mike, Michael Lombardi had some term for that, where you, you sign a, a, a free agent who just kind of stunts the growth of your, your young budding players he seems like a a great signing for a team that was like on the precipice
1: of a playoff push or a playoff run. Like you have this young core and you bring in Marvin Jones, who's rely, was pretty reliable in Detroit. Like he was going, if, if healthy, he was going to give you, you know, 700 plus yards and six touchdowns uh, with, with not too much effort. And, uh, but I think you're right, Nick, in the sense that the Jaguars aren't that team like the, the Jaguars feel like a team where it's like draft Trevor Lawrence, and he's got these young weapons around him and let's see what he does with these young weapons. And then after a year we can address like, okay, we need to get him a a number one wide receiver. DJ Chark didn't develop into that, or we need to get him a tight end because you know, that wasn't, it does seem a little interesting to go out and get Marvin Jones now this year, where you do kind of, kind of accelerate that receiver group. And honestly, like, I, I hope that they do have very different roles um, but I don't want this to like completely cap LaVisca Chenault, who was this kind of like offensive weapon and tool in the Jaguars offense. And I'm just worried about whether or not this offense is going to be, and hopefully it will be able to sustain multiple, you know, fantasy viable receivers. But adding a veteran guy who uh, it, it has me a little worried about uh, in terms of like maybe not DJ Chark, going, I am a little it on DJ Chark, but certainly, uh, certainly LaVisca Chenault too going into 2021. I'll be contrarian, but the analysis is pretty
3: easy. Uh, The Jaguars are absolutely terrible. I know that they have some wide receivers that we're hoping will turn into something, uh, but they haven't so far. So getting that rookie quarterback, a good veteran who knows what he's doing and has been in the league for a little while, I think is a good move for the NFL Jaguars. For the young Jaguars that we're hopeful for in fantasy, I agree. It's a bit disappointing, but Marvin Jones is good. He's been around for a long time, and he's going to make that team better.
2: Yeah, I don't think that I'm just from a free agency standpoint, like spending money on a wide receiver. When you got guys who are like uh, DJ Charks developing slowly, but surely Um, LaVisca Chenault is another guy that like he's a little raw, but he does a lot of great things. And he's the guy that kind of needs those development type reps. And you're not going to be good right away just because you draft Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they might like, the uh, the Colts back in the day, they went from like yeah. a one in fifteen team to Andrew Luck willing them to the playoffs. But they also had a lot of other um, pieces in place that were allowing them to do that. And I, I just kind of think they should have spent their money in other areas to like help Trevor Lawrence that aren't wide receiver.
1: Let the record show. I supported
2: Nick on his uh, his comment. So.
1: Yeah, for those keeping track at home. Uh Jordan, what what did you hate from this off season?
2: I absolutely hated everything that the Raiders did. Um everything, but sp- everything. But more specifically, I hated them signing Kenyon Drake. Like I don't know what they were actually trying to do here with this signing. Um they completely I'm trying to think of a hyperbolic word for this, but there is no word that can define how badly they just decided to throw away their offensive line, which was probably their strongest unit on their team and are like, you know what'll make this offense hum another running back behind our offensive line with like five new starters next year probably um I just. I don't know. I I don't get it. And I don't, I don't like it for Josh Jacobs's value or Kenyon Drake's value. Like Kenyon Drake's not a running back one, but he's also not going to be a running back two behind a makeshift offensive line from a bunch of guys that were selling insurance a couple months ago.
1: Also he's like single-handedly along with this offensive line dismantlement. Like, are you guys drafting Josh Jacobs as an RB one? I don't think I'm going to be.
0: No. <laughs> well, good listeners will recall. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nick has been living for this moment.
0: No, uh, so what do they even get in return for dismantling their offensive? They're like top five no, they, unit leave. It, it it makes no sense. They like swapped
1: um, late-round picks with both the Seahawks and the and the Cardinals.
0: I so I don't understand. I mean, hiring Mike back I think, I don't know. You guys tell me if I'm wrong here. I think that it was a very strange uh, addition and with Gruden, like, wanting to run the show in a Belichickian kind of way, but being, you know, running like a reality TV show for quarterbacks on ESPN. And, like, in the interim, I don't know. It was just a, a very weird team-building thing from the get-go, uh, and now we're seeing that weirdness play out. Um, for the record, like, Josh Jacobs is a good pass catching back by all accounts and they just don't use him. And it's one of these strange Gruden things where he just, I, he's a super strangely opinionated coach about what, what players can and can't do or what players he doesn't does not want. And yeah, they just brought in a guy who was a former lead back who seemed like a capable lead back. If one that you don't want to give more than like 18 touches per game, but he's a pass catching specialist. I, there's no way you can go near Josh Jacobs as as an RB one.
3: Yeah. We're in lockstep on this one. You're paying a lot of money for a running back. Who's not as good at things as the running back you currently have on your roster who plays through broken shoulders and gives absolutely everything to your team. Uh, I'm not against paying good running backs, good money, but this one is, I think
1: Jordan wins. I agree. The Raiders just this whole offseason. And it, it feels reminiscent of like when Gruden first came in and traded away their entire defensive line. And everyone was like, Gruden, what are you doing? And it's just, it, I don't, I just don't get it from an actual football. Pro- I just don't understand. Yeah, Nick, you said it. Like, what What did they get from it? Cap relief?
2: Is that is that so necessary? Nope. They didn't get any cap relief. They didn't even
1: get cap relief. So what yeah. the fuck did they get?
2: Apparently they have a lot of like cash flow issues again. Like this isn't the first time that the Raiders have had cash flow issues, but I'm not sure how that relates to like what they're doing necessarily. Especially when they're like bringing in new guys, like they're signing new people. So I don't
0: know. Yeah. Any any chance that they had of uh, Russell Wilson being okay with like? <gasps> yeah, I mean he's like. Well, like that was that was why I wanted to go there was that I wouldn't have to, (laughs) as part of the offseason plan, lose weight. So I'm quicker uh, because Coach Carroll asked me to. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Real uh, tragedy here is
1: how sad Pete Carroll is that he doesn't get Derek Carr. Good. I know. I know. Good. Yeah, this is this is crushing for Pete Carroll's Derek Carr uh, fever dreams. Uh, Clark, what did you hate? I don't want to go after Jordan. I mean, mine's going to sound stupid. (laughs) Well, we'll just say, Clark, what did you dislike, uh, but not as well or as extremely as Jordan? I I
3: didn't care for Kenny Galladay going to the Giants because that is a black hole of fantasy value. Uh, Jason Garrett's been ruining offenses for years, and we were really hoping Kenny Galladay would get a shot with a good team. Uh, Then Matt Stafford left, and Galladay went into free agency, and we were excited, and now he's going to play for the Giants. And, you know,
1: maybe but it's just, it's disappointing. Yeah. Especially when the Ravens were on the table, what are we doing here? The Ravens, Lamar Jackson has, was like the fifth most accurate down ball down deep ball passer last year. Kenny Galladay and it would have thrived.
2: I mean, I think like speaking of Derek Carr, we might be in that sort of range for Daniel Jones as well, where it looks like he might be good. And then he's just not. So it's like, I don't know why you'd like, purposely choose to go somewhere instead of a team that I, he had other suitors I know the Ravens aren't exactly the the best passing offense in the league but I think they're the kind of team that adjusts to the skill players that they have and like the talent that they have so if they added somebody like Galladay then that offense would have been probably as scary as they were hoping it would be last year but their guys just didn't develop so I don't know I don't like it either Clark. Yeah, this one's solid. I
0: uh, I think that they just gave him as uh, close to the, his asking prices as anybody was uh, willing to to go. That sentence didn't make sense, but you guys understood what it was I was saying. They they paid him money. close. Yeah, yeah,
1: money, cash, money, He got bank.
0: I mean, I, I suppose if if he from his perspective, I, I I was thinking about it as like he wants to go to a good scheme where they're going to feature him that kind of thing. Really, if you're just saying okay. I can play for pretty much any team that is better than fucking Matt Patricia. And if they're going to pay me almost exactly what I want, then I I can deal with that. Um, Maybe, maybe that's, that's what it was, or maybe it just did come down to cash form. Now we'll find out what, um, not that we don't already know, but like if Jason Garrett can do shit all in this league, you now have a real perimeter threat, which they haven't had, right? They've had, too many slot weapons and and too many short area slot weapons on their roster now they finally have a like an actual x uh i suppose you know no no shade to, to darius slayton as a downfield guy but anyway uh we're gonna find out what the team can do and hopefully they fail and they fire garrett and then we actually get to find out what uh what's his dick judge rule rule can do no yeah the old Panthers. no judge judge joe judge no, Joe Judge. Yeah, Joe
1: Judge. John Judge. Jonathan Judge Joe. Judge.
0: Joe. I was Judge, thinking Mike. Judgey
1: anyway. Judge, make Judge Judge, Judge, Judge Judge. The only way that like I'm excited about Kenny Galladay in New York is if he just gets the Odell treatment and sees like 130 targets and 100 catches. like, And he is just the sole pass catcher, which then makes me really uh, unexcited for all of my Evan Ingram share. So, uh, just not, just, just not thrilled. Not thrilled with that. Uh, and I will finish this up. Uh, my hate for this off season, the, it's soul crushing to me because I was all hyped on last week's show uh, when we recorded and Johnny Smith had just signed his big contract with the Patriots. And I was like, Johnny Smith, tight end one, let's rock, let's roll. He's a top five tight end, no doubts in my mind. And then Bill Belichick sticks his middle finger to the fantasy community. And the next, within 24 hours, science Hunter Henry to another big deal. And this pairing might bring visions of the 2011 Patriots when Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, both had over 75 catches, 900 yards and seven touchdowns. But a, that was with Tom Brady, B Tom Brady threw the ball 611 times, which uh, Cam Newton has never done. Cam Newton hasn't thrown over 500. He's only thrown over 500 times twice in his career. And he's not going to be doing that with his, uh, you know, his shoulder, Fantasy wise, both Smith and Henry they cap each other's ceilings. I would give the edge to Smith uh, since he was first signed and has a longer deal and is the more versatile athlete. I think there's like more that, especially in PPR, I feel like he's going to get featured more often in this offense. But fantasy, like I just I am now very very lukewarm on both these guys fantasy wise uh real football wise i am loving the boston te party and uh and having the dual tight end set back in back in fruition but uh fantasy wise
0: not loving this yeah i think for fantasy purposes if you're gonna have to choose well okay both these guys i think are good best ball options but if you got to choose between one i think belichick's kind of said he's basically i mean this this comparison is going to get overused but you know dear listeners sorry Johnny Smith is more the Aaron Hernandez. He's not going to have to block too much. They're going to use him more as an offensive weapon. Uh, Hunter Henry's more the Gronk. I think just based on that notion, Johnny Smith's the guy you want theoretically, health pending. You know, which I guess say, Hunter Henry maybe more of an injury risk. Um, Johnny Smith is just going to do more with uh, the ball in his hands, or they'll try to scheme the ball into his hands more than they will Hunter Henry. Again, though, like best ball, I would. <laughs> As long as we see something at a Cam's yeah. arm in the preseason, yeah, yeah, both these guys are I think are good picks. Yeah, I think it's good for Cam. It's still yes.
3: a three horse race at tight end and you're just kind of throwing darts otherwise. But Cam went from uh, you know, no disrespect intended, but the corpse of uh Jacob or well, Jacoby Myers and then the corpse of Julian Edelman as his receivers to two very solid youngish tight ends. Nelson Aguilar, who's had a good season, and Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. So Kendrick Bourne. He at least has something to throw to this year. I am, you know, I'll go down with the ship. You know that. I'm still drafting Jamal Charles in the first round, but I feel like Cam Newton's still pretty good. And now he has some people who can catch the ball on the team. I feel like it's, if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cam, like, Cam is a definite winner fantasy wise. I, had his, I have him in a dynasty league and I'm holding on to him with dear, for dear life because I think that he could finish uh, a top 10 fantasy quarterback.
2: Yeah, I agreed that I think this is best for Cam Newton. Um, and from a fantasy perspective, I think this is going to be less like the grunk uh, Hernandez years and more like the more recent Gerald Everett, Tyler Higbee years where we're just kind of a little frustrated with yeah. usage and we're not sure which one's going to be like the one who finally gets to break breakout or we see I don't know maybe Bill Belichick's a smart coach so he'll figure this out and maybe we'll start to see some trends but I think we'll have some games where it's John o. Smith, and then we'll have some games where it's Hunter Henry because that's just Bill again does not care about any of our fantasy teams.
1: Awesome possum plenty flosson. Well that's all we got for you this week. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball shows. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nicholas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then.